Good morning, everybody. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. And uh, we have started to do position-by-position breakdown uh, on the rankings. We did the quarterbacks uh, in our last podcast. And today, Wiz, we are on our way to the running backs. I hope all is well in your neck of the woods. Yeah, all is well. I hope the same for you. And uh, I found this one to be, uh, you know, I think what is going to be probably the most enjoyable one and fun one to do because... When I look at the rankings at tight end and and, uh, and wide receiver, I think there are just so many guys that it's based on personal preference and very, very close uh, where, you know, to rank a lot of these players, especially at the wide receiver position. I think in running back, though, I think I have a few good opinions. Um, and I think uh, against the grain, as far as the fantasy, the fantasy football community is concerned, and uh I'm sure you have some ones as well. We don't discuss it. We don't talk about any players. Uh, so we, we're fresh and uh, we're ready to go. So, uh, yeah, why don't I start off? Um, I just want to say but, but, but before you get into it, you know, and, and, I, and I think you and I have talked about the running back position a lot. And when it comes to strategy at running back, I think you can employ, you know, we've seen this in our leagues, right? Uh, where there's a number of different strategies that people employ. There, there are some people that want to go all in, get those, make sure they get two of those top tier backs and kind of deal with the rest later. There are other people that kind of go, you've heard the term zero running back, which is really kind of, you know, taking, taking, taking a time and, and digging deeper into the rankings and, and really not paying up for the running back. I think there, I think there are, there are reasons to do both. Uh, I mean, last year, I think it, it was a, t- a difficult year for a lot of the top-line running backs in that they got injured. Uh, I think, um, you know, the days of, uh, of guys carrying the ball 30-odd times a game, there are very few guys that are going to really be able to do that and very, very few coaches that are going to employ that as well. So, But I think there's a number of different ways you can kind of go about it. And I, I think the rankings are quite interesting this year. Um, I think there's a lot to dig through, a lot of situations, a lot of moving parts. And I and I do think because of the way the running backs are used, is is probably more depth than we're accustomed to. And and from time to time, I'm I'm just gonna I'm not even gonna talk about this player, but you take a guy like Naheem Hines last year, Wiz, who I think definitely won games four or five times if you had him rostered. He had such big games that there are other games that he was a, he was a non-entity. So I, I think it, it's a very compelling position, um, and it takes a lot of work, and there will be – this is a very important position, I think, when it comes to waiver wire as well because injuries are so much more prevalent at the position. Definitely, and when it comes to, you know, drafts, and, you know, I guess – the purpose of what I'm about to say, this is really more about snake drafts, is, you know, you have to take each draft uh, on its own. You can't repeat the same process over and over again because there are going to be things that are going to happen right before you pick on odd number rounds and, you know, coming back to you on even number rounds. Players are going to be taken that you didn't think were going to be taken. Um, so don't be myopic with your thinking where you're close-minded and you're just saying, okay, I'm going to take a running back and a running back, and then, you know, I'm going to fill out my receiver and then a tight end. And a, I mean, don't be mechanical and don't be myopic with your thinking. Those, those are two very important things that I want to convey to people is take each draft separately as it comes. And when you're doing mock drafts, the best thing that I could advise is pick a different position player in your first couple of rounds every single time. 
if you're picking in the first round, uh, in the middle of the first round, okay, do one mock draft where you're taking Travis Henry or Alvin Kamara. Do another one where you're taking Travis Kelsey. Do another one where you're taking Tyreek Hill or Stephon Diggs or Devontae Adams. Take Pat Mahomes in the second round. I mean, do different things. See how your rosters look when you do the different things, and you know, and then and then look at the the, the rosters based on what you did in the first round, and kind of look and see which teams you are happy with based on what you did earlier. And uh, I don't know. I think that is the best advice I can give to people who are practicing for their drafts. Uh, how do you feel about that? I think that's actually terrific advice. Uh, to, to 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 because obviously when you do things differently, especially in the first couple of rounds. All of those teams are going to have different makeups, different appearances. And I think that is a very good strategy when you're doing some practices uh, in these mock drafts to, to employ that sort of strategy. I think that's terrific advice. And I think, you know, at the running back position, like I said, I think there's going to be a lot of choices and people are going to go a lot of different ways on how they do it. So I think uh, taking a look at how your team looks w- with different strategies is, is, is an important uh, concept that people should actually uh, grab onto uh, in, in the preseason uh, preparations. Yeah, and I just feel like, uh, you know, when it comes to it, I'm looking at the talent of the player more than the position. Um, and I think people too get caught up and like, you know, I have to have two good running backs to start off with, and maybe they'll miss out on a player just to fill a position as opposed to a player. And it doesn't even matter if you have several receivers and there is a receiver that's sticking out as a sore thumb, but you feel like, you know, you need to draft another position. My advice would be take the player. Take the player. Uh, you can never have, you know, enough depth enough quality depth so that's how i that's how i view it that's how i go about it uh, i know everyone is different with their thinking and uh i just see too many of these mock drafts and real drafts when we do them where people are just mechanical it's like they they're you know just robotic with their running back running back and um you know as we saw last year a bunch of those running backs that were taking all the way up the first round either were a disappointment, a lot of them due to injury, a lot of them due to poor play, a lot of combinations of those two things. So um, have a little diversity uh, when you do your drafts and especially in mock drafts and, uh, and, and do things differently each time and uh, see how it um, see how it pans out. Yeah, and, and, um, I, and I would say, Wiz, like, I, I mean, I'm not looking here to pat myself on the back. You know, I, you know, I participated in six different leagues last year. Uh, in three of them, I won championships. Uh, the only top line running in all those leagues. Now, in, in one of the leagues, I did have Austin Eckler as a keeper. But in all of those leagues, the only guy going into last, going into last year that I actually owned in any of the leagues was Alvin Kamara. In every other league, I didn't have Barkley on any roster. I didn't have Elliott on any roster. I had no, no Aaron Jones, no McCaffrey, no Dalvin Cook. I, and, and I think I have a different psychology when it comes to running back. I'm not saying everybody should hear to what I'm saying, but I actually kind of like to drift to that next group of running backs, kind of the guys ranked between between 10 and 20. Uh, I feel I can get a lot more value out of that rather than spend so much money on some of those top guys. And and, not, and again, I'm not saying that, I, you know, maybe last year was a year that I lucked out with that strategy because so many of the guys got hurt. And, and probably that can be argued. 
but I just I, I have trended towards away from kind of grasping onto these kind of top tier guys. I'm not saying that in one of my drafts this year that I won't walk away with a, a Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook in my backfield, you know, and and, I, and spend a lot of money in an auction draft. Say, I, I'm not saying that that won't happen, uh, but it's probably highly unlikely that it does happen. Fair enough, and we're going to get your view on uh, a bunch of those running backs during this podcast. So let's get uh, let's get right to it. Uh, I have two running backs that. Um, are in the top 12 that I want to have a, a little bit of trepidation about, and the other I just am not going to draft. I, I don't see myself having any equity in the player. Uh, the first one is, I know I'm against the grain here, but I am just somewhat concerned about the workload that Derrick Henry has had starting at his ending his last year at Alabama through his first years in the pro. A ton of carries, a lot of carries in the playoffs, a lot of carries to get in the rushing title. Uh, I have a little trepidation. I'm going to go in another direction. And if I have a pick that, you know, where Derrick Henry and somebody else is available that I think is of equal or better value, at least as far as I'm concerned. So, look, I understand the want for Derrick Henry and the offense is going to be better. I have a little trepidation. I'd rather be wrong about him uh, than, than, than have him, you know, just, just have that workload finally catch up with him uh, i'll be okay with that if i pass on him and he has another year we lead the league in rushing but I, i'm going to take the wait and see approach and, and a little trepidation with derrick henry and the other one is i'm going to pass on deandre swift I, I i've seen a lot of rankings where he's inside the top 12 i don't see it um i, I know he's a good player i know a lot of people in the fantasy football community want to love him he's a second year player that he's going to get better um and he's going to have workload carries maybe. Uh, I don't see it that way. I'm going to pass on DeAndre Swift, and unless he drops down uh, by a lot in, in the drafts that I'm in, uh, I don't see myself ending up with DeAndre Swift. So those are the two that I have early. A little trepidation about Derrick Henry. I'm going to take others around him if I have the chance. And uh, DeAndre Swift is just a, a hard pass for me. Yeah, so I'll, I'll just comment on Henry. I had a feeling that that was going to be one of the players that you commented on, so I actually steer, steered away from it. Um, I, I'm in your corner on it. I, I'm kind of going back and forth in terms of, so the last two years, as you mentioned, tremendous workloads, and it, it actually carried into the postseason, uh, especially in 2019 where, you know, they got to the conference final. Uh, so there is a lot of, there is his first three years, that was not the case, but the last two years in particular. And, you know, he's, he's not getting younger, and uh, running backs are definitely impacted as they get further in the career. Now, I think you could look at it a couple of different ways uh, in that, okay, uh, Julio Jones, who's already kind of dealing with a little bit of a nagging leg injury, does he make a difference in this offense, i.e. they're not able to stack the box as much? Uh, you know, Josh Reynolds, their third receiver there. Uh, I know John o. Smith has moved on. He'll be first grit tight end. But the, the dynamics on this team, with a new offensive corner, by the way, with, with Arthur Smith being in, in Atlanta, but I, but I think you're right in terms of your argument, and, and plus the fact you add to it, especially in PPR leagues, Derrick Henry does not catch the ball. So I can see, I remember when I started Fantasy Wiz, this is kind of an interesting one. Uh, you know, a couple of this is in 2000, a couple of years into Eddie George's career, a lot of, a lot of workload, tremendous, tremendous production in his first few years in the league, and I kind of latched onto him for some reason uh, coming out of the gate as a fantasy player, and he really let me down in terms of, because of the amount of wear and tear on his tires 
I think you could, and I'm not just picking it because the same same franchise, but I think it's it's a worthy comparison, something to look at. So I'm I'm kind of understanding of of your sentiment there. And with Swift, I I think that's really complex because I also think a guy like Jamal Williams, who does so many things well, complicates a lot of things for DeAndre Swift in this new offense. I think look, I think both of these running backs will be very very busy, but I I don't think it warrants Swift having number one status. That's that's what I would say to that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that Jamal Williams factors in, obviously, to my view on DeAndre Swift. So uh, why don't you talk about some of the guys that you have, uh, I guess you're going to talk about the guys that you have outside of the top 12 that a lot of people have inside of the top 12? Oh, yeah, I, I guess. So I, I, the one guy I would say, yeah, I'm a little bit I'm, I'm, I'm nervous, especially with a lot of different developments going on. So I guess for these guys who are currently ranked in the top 10, I, I see them kind of moving towards the back end of it rather than the front end of it. And it, it'll be uh, one guy will definitely be very controversial and one guy is near and dear to your heart. So Alvin Kamara is the first guy I'm going to mention. He's a guy I've had ownership in, in a number of leagues o- over the years. Uh, you, you've got a changing of the guard at quarterback. Uh, we, we noted in, in a rel- relatively small sample size uh, with Taysom Hill at quarterback what that meant for Alvin Kamara. I don't think anything signed, sealed, and delivered in terms of who's going to play quarterback uh, for the New Orleans Saints this year. So I think that's something to watch. Kamara, as you pointed out, Wiz could be spread out a little bit more and you could see Latavius Murray uh, in the, in this backfield a lot more. I'll be watching to see if they do sign uh, Devonta Freeman, something to watch. And, and we know Montgomery is also on this roster. Uh, but Kamara's never rushed for over 1,000 yards. I see in most rankings he's basically ranked in the top three. Uh, and I think I can easily see with just kind of change in team dynamic where Kamara can actually fall a bit. And he was he was very touchdown heavy last year. Uh, as you mentioned, he had that one game, uh, what was it, week four? 14 or 15 in the playoffs where he had six of those touchdowns uh, and, and there was a lot of production obviously in that game. So I, I don't know. I, I guess my view is that I'm concerned that Kamara will back up to the back half of that top 10 rather than kind of where he's ranked. And the other guy, just I just feel like a lot of things are working against him. And when I looked a little bit more closely, and I, I'm not saying, and I owned him in a number of leagues thanks to you last year, and that's Jonathan Taylor. Uh, but, you know, the latest injury to, to Quentin Nelson uh, on top of no Costanzo this year, on top of Eric Fisher being hurt, on top of we don't know when Carson Wentz is going to get there. And I'm not saying that they won't lean on him a little bit more, but I don't think you're going to get the full capacity that you're going to get out of this offensive line than you have in the past. So I have some fears about Jonathan Taylor going into the season where right now I see him kind of top seven. That's kind of where he's kind of falling in the rankings. And I can make the case, and I'm not saying, like again, Marlon Mack is back, but I could easily see Marlon Mack on a different roster before the season starts as well. So I'm not particularly worried about that. I'm more concerned about the offensive line and the injury to Wentz and what this means for the offense because you can make the argument that Jonathan Taylor will be facing some stack boxes to start the season. We don't know when Wentz is going to get back. I did see him on the practice field yesterday. Looked to be walking around well, uh, but I have a little bit more reservation about Jonathan Taylor as we sit here today. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I don't know if you've seen the Chris Martinson report this morning, but uh, Chris Martinson report that there's uh, exuberance around Colts camp is Carson Wentz and Nelson are both on schedule to actually play opening week. Um, yeah, I had moved Taylor back a little bit. But my my view on Taylor is, okay, it could have been the first couple of weeks without either or both of those players. 
but I'm looking at the second half. I'm looking at the fantasy football playoffs, and uh, I'm not overly concerned with that. And then uh, with the news today, and we'll see how it plays out. I mean, I think both of our views can change over the next three or four weeks as it gets closer to the actual uh, opening day. But uh, as of today, there was some terrific news for the Colts. But I, I understand. I moved them back in my mind a little bit too. But if if Wentz and Nelson are starting week one, I'm putting them right up there where I think he could uh, lead the league in rushing this year. So we'll see how that goes. Did you have any other guys in the top 12 you want to talk about? Or So, uh, so you know, I, I don't know where you're seeing Austin Eckler ranked right now. I, I am seeing him mostly outside of the top 12. Is that uh, – do you agree with that or not? I'm seeing, I'm, I'm seeing mostly around that. I'm seeing him mostly 9, 10, you know, between 9 and 13. Or probably, like right around that area, depending where you look and who you uh, – value as far as opinions go but yeah he's he's right around that yeah so to me he's a very interesting guy in that here's a player who definitely hurt people last year because of the injury i think his usage changed uh, especially when he came back from the injury, you saw that the Chargers were even at, at times using Kalen Balaj more than, more than they were using Austin Eckler. Um, I just have a feeling in this offense with the changes that have been made with the offensive line, uh, another year, Justin Herbert, you know how I feel about the player. And, and I think, uh, you know, this is a gifted pass, pass catcher. I know there's talent in this backfield with both Justin Jackson and, and Kelly on the roster. But I, I know I feel like this year there's a little bit more of an overlook on Austin. Austin Eckler, and I, I'm of the opinion that you know he can kind of get back into the equation as being a top five guy this year. Uh, I, I see him more in the back end and slightly outside the top twelve, like I said in a lot of in a lot of rankings. So I've got my eye on Eckler. I, I think his valuation may be tainted a little bit by what tra- what what, trans- what transpired uh, last year with the injury. Yeah, and I'm going to give two guys that are similar that I feel are ranked definitely. The first one is definitely ranked outside the top 12. He's, he's ranked maybe even outside the top 15 in a lot of rankings. But I think, I feel Najee Harris is just set up for, just in terms of volume, a lot of volume. Uh, he's a great goal line runner. I mean, that was his specialty in Alabama. He's got, like Derrick Henry, uh, great, great, you know, uh, abilities when they get uh, down to the goal line. So he is, he, he, I just feel with volume, he has a real chance to finish inside the top 12. I just feel he's, you know, in in a situation uh, that if the Pittsburgh's offense can move the ball a little bit through the air and, uh, and Roethlisberger be just a little bit better, I think there could be some real opportunities for Najee Harris in terms of scoring based on volume. And the other guy that I'm going to give is a guy – Kind of like Eckler, where it depends where you look. He's either barely inside the top 12 or, in some instances, barely outside the top 12. And I just don't get it. It's like I, I feel he's one of these guys that doesn't get the respect that he does, and that he should get, and that's Aaron Jones. And I, I just feel without Jamal Williams, and I know, you know, A.J. Dillon's going to be a good young player, but he's a different type of player, and Aaron Rodgers has a tremendous amount of trust in Aaron Jones in all aspects, in all aspects of the game. And I just feel Aaron Jones, uh, for some reason, is one of these guys that constantly gets overlooked, 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 and uh, I just see uh, no reason why he should not be entrenched 
inside the top 12 at the position. So I have Najee Harris and Aaron Jones as guys who are ranked in most instances outside the top 12 uh, as my two top guys to finish inside the top 12. Right, that's interesting because I actually, I, I mean, to me, I have Aaron Jones as a slam dunk, slam dunk top 10 guy. Right, you know that—that's the way I look at the player, uh, and I think that's where he should be looked. Yeah, at. yeah. So I, you know, anybody that's ranking him outside that, I just completely disagree with that sentiment. So I, I'm with you on that. I think Najee Harris, to me, um, the, I, I mentioned this before. You know, I thought that there was a lot of comparisons to kind of what's going on last year. What we saw with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, I think he's a different type of a different type of physique and a different type of player on this offense. Where I don't like anything that's you know it's Patrick Mahomes is not there, okay, and uh, and I don't like anything I kind of see in the background uh, that that backing up Najee Harris. So I agree the stars are kind of aligned a for Najee Harris, and I I personally think I'm just given the kind of sentiment, and I did mention that I thought there was comparisons to Harris. Um, sorry, to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, that I think you're going to see Harris garner a lot of attention and probably pretty high valuations in auction leagues. That's just kind of the way I, I, I how I see things playing out. So I, I think you're right about the workload, and you know every opportunity will be there for Harris to be the the, the bell cow on this particular on, on this team. No question about it. Now, which other running backs did you want to talk about? So, so I'll say the one guy that I'm looking at that I think this is I, I feel he's going to be a top 10 running back this year. Uh, I will probably target him in almost every league that I am in. And it's J.K. Dobbins. Um, so I know Gus Edwards is here, and Justice Hill is in the background as well. And obviously the threat of, of, uh, of Lamar Jackson taking off and running at any period of time. But I think some of what J.K. Dobbins did last year in terms of his yards per carry as a rookie, which was over six yards a carry, uh, got in the end zone. He really didn't start doing his thing till halfway through the season. And I think, my opinion, given the full season on a team that wants to run the football, and I'm not saying, like I said, that Gus Edwards is not going to be impact. I think sky is the limit for J.K. Dobbins this year, and he's a player that I will be targeting in all leagues for this year. Yeah, I mean, going right before the season started last year, my two top rookie running backs uh, who were ahead by a mile above everyone else were Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins, and I don't see any reason why those two second-year players are not going to be um, major factors. Uh, that was uh, that, 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 That's a good one as well. Yeah, I looked at... Uh, I looked at Dobbins, and uh, yeah, I, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Uh, he's just you know, the, the the only thing that he has to contend with that someone like Jonathan Taylor doesn't have to contend with is the fact that the quarterback likes to take off and run himself and keep the ball and maybe take away some rushing touchdowns, and they like to use Gus Edwards as well. I, I think um, while with Jonathan Taylor, as far as running the ball, there's a pretty big gap between him. And anyone else in that in that uh, on that roster? So, uh, I I agree with that one. Did you have anyone else? Or are you going to talk about guys moving back now? Uh, so I I have one other guy that I think I'm keeping a close eye on, just because he was so productive last year when he did start. Uh, and I granted that the the offensive dynamic in Miami will be a little bit different, but last year when he did start. Uh, Miles Gaskin was the number eight running back in fantasy per start production. Um, Malcolm Brown has been brought in here. So this is a situation that I think I'm watching very closely. Salvin Ahmed is also uh, a capable backup here. 
But Miles Gaskin really had a tremendous year and very, very talented in the backfield. Now, out of the backfield to catch the ball. He's not a goal line guy. I think Malcolm Brown will probably steal touches there. And that's the one thing I'm, I'm definitely concerned about. But I just feel the production is something that cannot be completely ignored. Uh, and, and it's something. It's a situation that I that I will be definitely be watching coming into the year. I think two players um, that I do want to talk about that that were kind of on everybody's list last year is moving up. And for me, I am not going to be the one drafting either one of these players for a number of different reasons between who's been brought into their situations, uh, the offensive lines being a mess. Uh, no consistency in terms of the play calling uh, in one situation, uh, coaching change. But I will not have ownership in any league of, of Miles Sanders, who I, who I know has had a lot of long runs, but that line is a mess, and I will not have any ownership. I've talked about this already. Uh, uh, Josh Jacobs will not be on any of my football teams uh, for this coming year. Two players that, you know, I know they've kind of moved back. Their sentiment, like I said, was very high on both of these players, but I will not own either of these players in fantasy this year. Yeah, and I can understand why. I think, you know, the way John Gruden um, uses the, the, you know, the snap counts and the volume and the usage of players is maddening, um, to say the least, and it could be very, very frustrating. I understand about that. And, uh, yeah, with Miles Sanders as well, uh, I think he's ranked a little bit more appropriately this year. Um, so we'll have to see how that plays out. I, he's just a player that I have no opinion on either way like I don't think he's ranked you know he's going to do much better than where he's ranked or do much where he's ranked I think he's probably uh ranked in in about right um two players that I want to talk about uh that I feel are entrenched in that running back two group that I feel should not be ranked there I don't like either of these players um not that I don't I shouldn't say I don't like either players but I don't think they're ranked correctly it is I, I've seen now all, all, all through the spring and the summer, Travis Etienne is ranked uh, over and over again ahead of James Robinson. Number one, I don't think that's necessarily right, but I don't think I I want any piece of or any part of Travis Etienne as my running back two. Uh, I think he's more of a running back three flex starter. I don't like him as a running back two. As far as a runner, James Robinson is a better runner than Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne is definitely better in the open field, but as far as decision-making, toughness, running inside the tackles, I like James Robinson over Etienne. So I don't, I don't like Etienne where he's ranked. I have him back further than that. And then the other one I know because of an injury has been kind of planted, placed in his running back two group even higher is Daryl Henderson. I am just not trusting the situation. I don't know what Sean McVay is going to do. I don't know if he's just going to have a timeshare with several guys, if he's going to just pass the ball a lot more. I just have a hard time thinking that Sean McVay has a lot of confidence in Daryl Henderson after drafting him and then the next year drafting Cam Akers. I understand Cam Akers isn't there, but there are other guys in that backfield and I'm not saying Henderson is not going to put up good numbers from time to time and even be the starter. I just don't trust the situation as far as him being a clear running back to inside the top 20. So ETN and Henderson, I have my doubts about. So uh, I'm going to wait to talk about uh, Henderson because I actually have a couple of guys that, that like – 
basically I'll, the last two guys that I'm going to talk about running back uh, really tie into Henderson. So I'll kind of deal with deal with that then. Uh, I, I will talk about Etienne, and, and I and I do see almost in every draft that Etienne is going over James Robinson. I don't agree with that. I talked about that in terms of prop bets. I think James Robinson's yardage is way too low. Can't ignore what the player did last year. I also know that Carlos Hyde is on this roster. Uh, he's a player that played for Urban Meyer before, so I don't think it's something to be ignored either. Uh, but Etienne's too high in my eyes, way too high. Uh, and he will not be a running back two. He will be a running back three. Yes, he's going to catch the ball, but he's being drafted way too high. So in complete agreement with you on that player was I that, yeah I, I agree with I agree with what all you said I have the same viewpoint uh did you want to talk about Henderson or did you want to wait to talk about Henderson uh, I'm gonna to wait to talk about Henderson uh I, I do want to point out one guy that I'm very conflicted on uh and the reason I'm conflicted on the player is is number one what he did last year uh, and number two who's backing him up this year uh and that's David Montgomery and David Montgomery is Depends on uh, who your who who your ranker is out there uh, is all over the place in terms of where he stands. There are some people that have him leaning into as a as a, as a running back one, which he was a running back one last year. There are other guys that have moved him, you know, kind of in the middle of the running back twos. Some people have him in the back. Uh, Damian Williams did not play last year. Uh, last time we saw Damian Williams on a football field, he was doing. Unbelievable things for the Kansas City Chiefs in the offense. Uh, we know that uh, Tariq Cohen is not making it back to the field anytime soon. I think Damian Williams is a lot better running back on, on, in all facets than, than, than Tariq Cohen is. Um, and there will be an impact on, on, on Montgomery this year. Uh, so I think he's a player that I'm very conflicted on. Uh, I'm not really sure how leagues treat him. I know what he did last year. He also had a very soft schedule to finish the season, which he took full advantage of. So it's a player that I look at curiously. Probably not a player that I will own. Uh, and like I said, Damian Williams looks to be an interesting guy uh, in terms of fantasy. If any, one, if anything, would have happened to Montgomery. But also, I'd, I'd like to see what that workload looks like. Yeah, to your point, I almost had Montgomery written down. I was about to do my work and preparation on Montgomery. I agree completely. It's just a little too confusing for me to say that he's ranked wrong. Uh, I could see different scenarios where he's ranked too high or too low. So I just, instead of making a stand, just said, yeah, I agree with you. I'm keeping my eye on it. But the, the situation um, is a little bit too confusing as far as uh, what they're going to do, especially add it to the mix. You have a, a, you know, potentially a running quarterback in Justin Fields who's going to get in there. How's that relationship going to be? And uh, and Nagy, you know, there's a lot of lip service that Nagy's going to give the ball to Montgomery 20 touches a game, but uh, we we know what usually happens with that. It never comes to fruition. So uh, we'll have to we'll have to see. Um, I'm going to talk about two running backs that I think are ranked too low coming into this year. Uh, one is Zach Moss, who I feel didn't really get a chance to get going. And I think the Bills, if they're going to go further and, and actually make the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl and be a, a playoff team year in, year out, they have got to run the ball and do more ground than pound, especially you know in cold-weather games, especially if their defense is better and they have leads, they're going to need the ground and pound. And that's more exactly think he's going to get his feet under him in his second year, similar to what happened to Montgomery from his rookie to second year. So I see Montgomery, I mean, I see Zach Moss ranked like 30, 35. 
Uh, I see him as more of a running back to this year. I know, you know, the people are afraid of the committee approach with Singletary, but I like Zach Moss. I, I think he should be ranked higher. And uh, the other one is, is a player that I just love the ability, and I think he's being unfairly ranked, not on his ability, but uh, like people may perceive an injury baked into the cake when it comes to his rankings. For the life of me, I don't understand Raheem Mostert, why he's being ranked, again, so low. Yes, he's had injuries, but when he's been on the field, he is dynamic. His yards per carry, his long touchdowns, with a team that wants to run the ball. I know Trey Sermon and Goldman and, and Wilson will be back from an injury. I, I understand they have a very good running back room. I just think Raheem Mostert is ranked way too low. Those are players that are ranked outside top 30. I like Moss and I like Mostert to finish inside running back two this year. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I agree on Moss, and I think Singletary's been been given a lot of opportunity here so far. He he definitely disappointed last year, even after Moss went went down with the injury. So I think that's something that I'm definitely watching very closely. I I don't disagree with you. Um, I actually had both Sherman and and Mostert written down just because I wanted to talk about the situation. I think first off, Jeff Wilson's injury definitely gives more clarity. Uh, to what's going on there, I know. I know Wayne Gallman is uh, is also on this roster, but but I think both running backs will be effective. Uh, you know, as we've seen before in in Kyle Shanahan's offense, uh, we've seen it in Atlanta, we've seen it in in San Francisco. Uh, I will say this: you, you probably, if you and I think in auction leagues, you could probably get both of these players relatively cheap. But I wouldn't mind coming out of a draft with both Sermon and Mostert. I think they'll be relatively cheap. Uh, in an auction draft, that's kind of that's not a keeper league. I feel pretty strongly about that. Uh, I think Mostert's definitely being overlooked, without a doubt. And I, you know, you and I, you know, we had ownership in the player in a couple of leagues last year. Whenever on the field healthy, uh, you know, very electric and tremendous offensive line, great fullback, a lot of things working in his favor. So, so I, I'm with you there. Um, I'd say. Two other guys kind of in the same ballpark, and, and you know, I spoke about Moss Ray, but two other guys in the same ballpark that I'm kind of working through. Look, I think New England's going to have to run the ball to be effective, um, and, and and I, I'm thinking Damian Harris might be a little bit too low in the rankings. Uh, I, I know Sony Michelle is there. I know James White is there. I, I know I know not necessarily that Harris is going to catch the ball a lot last year, basically non-existent. I don't know. I just have a feeling, especially if Mac Jones is in there sooner, because you take away the element of Cam Newton running the ball into the end zone if Mac Jones is the quarterback. I, I think, in my opinion, Damian Harris is ranked too low. And it just seems to be the one rookie, I think, in kind of this group who's making the most noise is Michael Carter of the Jets. And it's, it is the Jets, and there are a lot of bodies there. Tevin Coleman, uh, we know Ty Johnson from last year. P. Ryan is also there. Uh, Michael Carter seems to be garnering. And the Jets actually have two players, you know, in, in two rookies in both Moore and Carter who are making a, quite a bit of noise. But, but Michael Carter seems to be a guy uh, that's moving up the rankings, and I feel that people are going to pay up. I'm not saying I'm necessarily going to do that, but I feel the value of that player is moving up quite a lot and garnering that attention. I think he's going to be treated uh, when you get to your drafts, especially let's see what happens in those preseason games. I think you could see Michael Carter being treated as a number two running back as we get closer to the season. I'm always dubious about drafting a rookie running back alongside a rookie quarterback. Um, I just think it makes for a difficult situation. 
Uh, Carter has got tremendous ability, especially as a pass catcher. But anytime you you know have a rookie running back and, and he's starting his year with also a rookie quarterback, it just makes for a difficult situation. And you have a view, running. and you also have a view on on Zach Wilson as well. Yeah, and I have a view on Zach Wilson that he in that you know he is going to struggle because he he's kind of a risk taker and you know he's not be going up against you know uh, you know he's, he's not going up against Boise State he's going to be going up against Bill Belichick defenses and and uh, and the Bills defense you know he's going to be and Miami had a good has a good defense as well so he's just a risk taker he doesn't necessarily take the easy throw a lot of times. And against, you know, college teams where he has such great arm talent, it's going to work. I'm just a little dubious. The only exception to that actually could be Jacksonville, where you Trevor Lawrence and EPN, you would say, okay, rookie quarterback, but they have two years of, of, uh, of playing together in college before their rookie year. So that may be a little, you know, exception to the rule. But when you have a situation like that, I, I'm just going to take the wait-and-see approach because I, I just think there's going to be – some difficulty with that. And then I'm going to give one last player, and this guy is way, way down the list. He's a complete afterthought. But if you're playing in a PPR league, I think that you have to consider Gio Bernard. And the reason for that is he is so far ahead of Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones in terms of pass catching that I just think it could be James White 2.0 um, for for Gio Bernard. And I'm not saying he's going to be a weekly guy that you could count on. But that being said, you know, uh, he could certainly be a bi-week streaming option if he's being used in the passing game, which I believe is the reason he was brought in. Because, like I said, um, Leonard Fournette Ron Jones catch the ball like Edward Scissorhands. So... Gio Bernard enters the picture, and uh, he's just somebody in the PPR league where if you're thinking about Naeem Hines or James White of the past, I think you could see something similar from Gio Bernard this year. You know, it's interesting because one other guy that I did want to talk about, even though I really don't love the Raiders' attack, but, you know, in the past we know what uh, what, what, – John Gruden is meant for pass-catching running backs. Uh, if you remember Charlie Garner back in the day. And I think, you know, when you look at a guy like um, Kenyon Drake, uh, I, I think his skill set to catch the ball, especially with Jalen Richard being out, I think in PPR leagues, Kenyon Drake, actually, his value could could be a lot closer uh, in terms of production uh, to, 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 jo- uh, to Josh Jacobs than people realize. I, I just think he's a player that you want to keep an eye on uh, because I think with Jalen Richard's injury, it gives, it gives Drake a lot of opportunity to catch the football out of the backfield for the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, and I agree with that. I think the Richard in- injury clears the path for Kenyon Drake to be more prominent in that offense. Um, again, I don't know outside of Waller if I'll be looking to draft any Raiders because of the maddening um, offensive game plan that John Gruden has week in, week out. It makes it very difficult to be confident in any of those guys. So, But, but certainly the news of Richard certainly uh, helps, I think, the rankings for um, Kenyon Drake. Uh, yeah, by the way, Wiz, um, I know we're doing a running back podcast here, but are you concerned that, that Darren Waller has not been on the field for, for eight straight days for the Raiders? 
Well, I'm more concerned is nobody has exactly clarified what the reason is. Yeah. Like, is it an injury? Is it COVID? The guy in the past, and nobody wants to think about this, and nobody hopes this, but the guy has had issues uh, with off-the-field things. And, you know, I, I just would like clarity if it's, you know, uh, uh, an ankle that he's, you know, wa- wants to give a little rest to. Is he have COVID contact? Is he, has he tested positive? Is there something else? Like eight straight practices at this time of the year is noteworthy enough. I just uh, wish there was some disclosure on what the reason is. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. So, so again, I know we're talking about running backs here, but but it, there are some concerns uh, that should arise from the la- lack of information. Uh, so, yeah, we'll get to the tight end. Yes. Uh, so, so I have two other two two players uh, left to talk about. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you have any more running backs, but, but one. Oh, that's it for me. Uh, that was it for me. Go ahead. Who are the ones that you have left? So this is kind of an interesting one. Uh, a player that I owned in the past um, last year really didn't. I, I don't. I don't remember if he got in the field at all. Maybe a little bit at the very, very tail end. Uh, a guy that the Seahawks decided not to tender a contract to. Um, Chris Carson has gotten hurt the last couple of years and and, and been off the field. Uh, I think last year we saw when he was out there was not necessarily tremendous play behind him in, in Travis Homer and DJ Dallas. Uh, but I'm going to be watching Rashad Penny very closely. He, he's removed from that injury. Uh, I thought when he, uh, if you go back a couple of years ago, I think he was making a strong case for for a lot more action. And I when I look at backup running backs in the league, I think Rashad, a healthy Rashad Penny, uh, can certainly make a lot of noise. Uh, and, and maybe in this situation where he actually makes noise, even even alongside Chris Carson. Uh, but just a player I wanted to mention who, who's, who's, who's talented, uh, a guy that Seahawks once spent the first-round draft pick on and is a lot healthier this year, and I just think those other guys backing him up are, are not particularly good. So, And Rashad Penny, when he gets in there, is going to be playing for a contract. So it's a situation I'm watching closely. And I'll talk about the Daryl Henderson one. I completely agree with Wiz. This guy is going off as a number two. I don't think that should be the case. I think there is a chance that you see a veteran brought in here. And there's a chance with two guys on the roster right now and Xavier Jones and Raymond Calais. Uh, it depends on how things look in the preseason. But I don't think there's full trust in Daryl Henderson. So I don't anybody ranking him as a number two, I think that's a mistake. And I'll be watching both Calais and uh, Xavier Jones in the preseason. Just two situations that I'm keeping very close eyes on with. And certainly keep an eye on, you know, you know, if they do bring in a veteran. It's always a telltale sign. Uh, how a team really feels. And uh, the one thing he and, you know, McVeigh said, you know, they're not going to resign Gurley. Um, so we'll see. You also have to wait because other teams are going to make cuts and see what the Rams do. So keep an eye on what the Rams do with signings. That's a telltale sign. And uh, also look, you know, kind of what their rotation is uh, in the backfield when they play these preseason games, who they're playing. Um, but to just think that Cam is out, I'm going to put Henderson in that spot, and he's going to you know, produce. I just don't think, and I don't trust that he's going to get the volume, so uh, as I said, uh, you know, we're in complete agreement on that one. 
All right, very good. So Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast, that wraps up our kind of parsing of of the running back group. Again, we can talk about every single guy under the sun here, uh, but for the sake of a podcast, uh, we really kind of try to get get in the dirt with a few of these guys, and uh, hopefully it's it's a big help to everyone. We are on Apple Podcasts, we are on SoundCloud, and we're on Spotify. Make sure you're subscribing. Uh, We'll be coming up with the wide receivers next. Uh, always a good job, Wiz. Well, well done. Uh, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. I wish you a good rest of the day and look forward to catching up with you on Wide Receivers next. You got it.